HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Brooklyn Botanic Garden, a stunning 52-acre garden in the heart of Brooklyn, featuring spectacular plant displays and inspiring public programs year-round. Learn more at bbg.org. This week on Meet and 3, we celebrate good news in the food world, from record-setting butter sculptures to the latest discoveries in crop cultivation. I think it was back in 2015. It was 2,370 pounds, and it was a Paris landscape. And so that became the Guinness World Record butter sculpture. We don't understand everything about the world. So plant breeding also lets us work with all the unknown maybe discovered along the way. And we hear from the beloved chef and disaster relief organizer, Jose Andres. Well, World Central Kitchen, we're an organization that we like to be the first ones on the ground. And more often than not, we are the last ones on the ground. Tune in to Meet and 3, Heritage Radio Network's weekly food news roundup, wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to Feast Your Ears. I'm Harry Rosenblum, and I love to talk with people about what they do and how it influences their personal food stories. This is a show about people, life, and food. If you're just tuning in for the first time, all the previous episodes of Feast Your Ears are available in the archives at heritageradionetwork.org. I believe this is episode number 160, so you've got a lot of listening to do. This year is Heritage Radio Network's 10th anniversary. I would love if you would join us for our spectacular gala coming up November 11th at the Brooklyn Botanic Garden. We're also sponsoring this show today. Uh, the Botanic Garden, if you haven't been there, is amazing. Um, they have a beautiful Japanese garden. They have a really cool... Um, collection of bonsai trees. You can tell I like Japan stuff. If you are a regular listener of this show, I was in Japan last week. So love Japanese stuff, but the Botanic Garden has a lot of other great things as well that are not specifically Japanese. Uh, but they also do have a cherry cherry orchard uh, for the Sakura Festival in the spring. So I guess, yeah, a lot of great Japanese stuff there at the Botanic Garden. Uh, but you can get your tickets to our gala at uh, www.heritageradionetwork.org gala. Um, I'll be there. Lots of the other hosts will be there. It's going to be excellent food. There's going to be excellent drink. Uh, there's lots of prizes. There's a silent auction. It's in a really great space. So you should come and hang out with us. Uh, please review and rate this podcast wherever you find it. Uh, and uh, love to hear from you. You can always uh, email me, harry at thebrooklynkitchen.com. Today's theme, New York is a great place to stay home and travel through your stomach. I love to travel. It's exciting to see a new place, meet new people, 
Like I said, I was in Japan last week. Eat foods in the country or region of their creation. While you can eat great yakitori in New York, the yakitori experience I had in Osaka was, in my mind, superior. The food was probably about the same quality-wise, but the environment, the people, slight differences in custom, it's often what make the experience. To this end, uh, in New York, aside from a few exceptions, I've had food that is just as good in terms of quality and preparation as I've had in any of my travels. But it's more often not the space, but the story, the feeling that you get, the environment created that make a meal memorable, uh, or one that you want to repeat again. And that's really the key to a restaurant business, right? You need people to come again and again. And what is it that we seek? I think it's something different depending on the season, the day, our own mental, physical health at a given point in time. People often point to the vacation mind as a reason that you can taste a wine on vacation, love it, bring home a case, and then when you open one at home, it doesn't taste the same. Because we're not the same person every day or every week or even every hour. The ability of a restaurant to call up or deliver an experience is part of its charm, and it's something people don't even internalize or analyze very often, in large part because it's probably different for everyone. My guest today is Sruti Chowdhury, who grew up in the South Indian region of Andhra Pradesh, where she spent her first years of freedom as a teenager exploring local markets and began to fall in love with the variety of flavors and textures available there. While pursuing a master's degree here in New York, she realized that her true passion lay in bringing the tastes and dishes of her childhood to the restaurant scene of New York City. And the result is Kaladi Restaurant, which opened in the East Village this past August. Thanks so much, Sruti, for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Harry. So uh, I want to talk about India. To me, it's a very exciting place. I've never been there. Um, I would love to travel there, but it's a place that I think, at least for Americans um, and maybe to a certain extent, you know, even even New Yorkers, those of us that are like the most worldly of Americans, mm-hmm. um, view as a very singular place, mm-hmm. except that it's the second it's- largest country on the planet, and we think of it as a singular thing, which it's not. Yeah, it's a very handful of things people recognize about India. Yoga, namaste, curry, <laughs> yeah. uh, and probably Although the Japanese would tell you something otherwise, right? The yeah. Japanese and the Thai have curries that we mm-hmm. also... So that gets muddled in and of itself. I know. <laughs> uh, but India is a lot of things. I even born there and grew uh, even when I grew up there, I think even I have a lot to learn about India because it's a lot of things and it, one lifetime is not enough, I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess that's good then if you look at like the, the way that uh, I guess a lot of the religions in India view things, right? You don't yes. you, you get more than one lifetime. The spirituality of it, <laughs> the food, the cultures, the languages. Yeah. It's just a lot. Sometimes it's overwhelming. Sure. Me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh I think the southern part of India, the, the culture of it, the food is not getting as much recognition as it's supposed to sure. or the respect it deserves, uh, mainly because when the British was ruling India, when they left India, they just took the curry and that's what made chicken tikka masala or butter chicken the most popular curries from India. Sure. And none of them explored the southern part of Indian uh, uh, food scene or the dishes which never got the recognition and once the Indian restaurants started to pop up all over the world it's all about butter chicken yeah and the samosas yeah Yeah. (laughs) that's where it all stopped and no one is taking it further and that's what we wanted to change with Kiladi sure so you grew up in a vegetarian household right your mom's vegetarian my mom yes she almost uh, so in India people be vegetarian or meat eaters depending on the religion and caste So even though I I don't belong to one of those, my mom almost raised us like Brahmins, the priests are mm. uh, part of the uh, caste system. But th- th- my friends used to make fun of me all, uh, all my childhood, saying that you you almost grew up like a Brahmin child when you're not. 
uh, and my mom used to feel so proud about it and she used to be like she, we used to have this long as debates saying that why do you even need meat mm. you have protein in eggs you have uh, all the nutrients because she's all about well-rounded nutritional meal and she used to argue with me all the time saying you don't need meat you you can get all the other stuff in without hurting something or without eating something i tried and tried and one day i gave up and if not for our dad my me and my sister would have been so we would have missed out on life by not having meat let's just put it that way so yeah uh even though she i think even though i complain a lot about her uh her making me eat all those vegetarian meals uh actually and when i go to indian restaurants you won't believe uh I don't really eat meat. Mm. I only go for vegetarian dishes or vegetarian curries because they taste much better. Vegetarian food uh in Indian in South Indian food is I think the most delicious uh meal you could have as a vegetarian. Yeah. Uh yes, meat is great, meat is good, but I I like vegetarian more in Indian food. And even in uh, in Kiladi's menu if you see, you have a lot of vegetarian options. I noticed yeah. actually. Yeah, you guys have a, a lot of vegetarian yeah. options and you know, I'm always amazed by the sort of width and breadth of flavor that mm-hmm. appear in Indian food in general, but mm-hmm. it seems like in South Indian food it's that's really where it's at. I mean, you have these intense layerings of different spices and you have really intensely flavored pickles, mm-hmm. which means a very different thing to me growing up as like a Jewish kid in New mm-hmm. York. Pickle is something very different yes. than what you grew up with in India, and you know, those flavors to me are so exciting. Yes, they they totally are. And South Indian cuisine use a lot of curry leaf, which is a lot flavorful and it's not out there. People don't know what it tastes like, what curry leaf is, but it's it's the it's a very crucial uh spice or element in South Indian cooking. And if you see in any South Indian household, you have this uh spice box that every every household owns, every mom owns. which have a little bit of it has a small bowls in a big steel uh box and each one has mustard seeds cumin seeds curry leaf garlic uh chilies and lentils that's like the essence of any south indian household cooking those things go in anything and everything in each dish and that's where the dish starts really yes. right is from the spices whereas yes. i think the way that at least the way i grew up in the west it was not about how you start with the spices mm-hmm. it was okay are we having chicken or steak mm-hmm. are we having potatoes or rice mm-hmm. are we having broccoli or carrots right like it started from what we think of as like the larger yes, ingredient it, rather than what flavor is this going to have yeah that's that is, that is so true uh and actually uh, let me just walk you through a small Please. dish uh first the oil goes in the pan and all these things from the box the spice box goes into the oil the oil is flavored with those spices now that to me is the like that that is the number one thing that mm-hmm. anyone listening to this show who wants to elevate their home cooking should take away from this show is that it's not about when i first learned to cook curry i was in college we had no money i lived with my roommates and we would just get vegetables we would, i lived with a bunch of vegetarians and of course we also meat was expensive and we would basically saute all the vegetables and then toss in the cumin and the turmeric yes. and all the stuff and we called it curry and i guess it i mean in the in the sense that it was a bunch of spices mixed with stuff mm-hmm. cooked together yes it was curry but we missed the, the most important essence. part yeah yeah and i i also want to tell the listeners that you don't really need to buy an expensive uh, curry powder or like curry mix 
it's it's it could be very simple just get these ingredients and put it in the oil flavor the oil it could be cloves cinnamon we use all those spices as well especially for not vegetarian mm. the meat uh, part of the cooking the all these other spices the bay leaf uh, cumin cloves cinnamon uh, star anise all of these go into the oil first so that the oil absorbs all the flavor from the spices and anything that's cooked in that oil seeks uh, gets the flavor from the oil so that's that's the base that's the base or 101 of uh, indian cooking or some or 101 of my cooking yeah. that's how i cook yeah. uh, and simple ginger garlic uh, equal po- ratios of ginger and garlic make them a paste that gives you a pack of punch of flavor to the meat so basics like this are not known to anyone right. like you just said you just get few of the masala powders you think that gives the flavor and put it to the chicken or the vegetables that you're cooking but it need not be that complicated or expensive it yeah. could be very simple and use the freshest ingredients it it makes you feel good about eating that absolutely yeah, yeah definitely so tell me about uh, your mom's pickle that's on the menu you're making yes. all the pickle fresh in yes. the restaurant right So Indian way of making pickles is a lot different from the Western uh, way of making pickles. We don't really use vinegar or uh, any of the elements that we use in pickling the vegetables here. And it's it's such a comforting meal when you have a pickle with a bowl of uh, hot rice. It's like it's like what mom feeds me or or you know when I go on a vacation uh, and come back that's the first thing I do. I just put on my rice cooker make a uh, couple cups of rice and then just the pull the pickle out of my refrigerator that my mom sends me uh, a little butter to the rice and then the pickle it just takes you places believe me <laughs> i'll probably drop by and drop off some pickles to you yeah <laughs> i would love that and rice is the staple of any sure. south indian uh, household and that's what i grew up eating and that's that takes me back home and that's why pickle is so important and mango is a very big uh, fruit in india and every summer mangoes are the raw green mangoes are sent to my home from my grandmother's uh, farm so and my mom and her friends sit down it's it's not just the pickle itself the taste of it but it it the memories it brings back and the story it has to tell I think that's what makes it even more special. Mm. Uh so when they cut the mangoes, they dry the mangoes in the sun for like couple days. And then they salt them uh, so that it acts like a preservative for because every year, every summer they go through this. And the pickle they make the summer will last till next summer. Right. So sure. That's that's the reason they need to make sure it doesn't go bad. And this is a group activity. Yes, it yeah. is. Yeah. How much how much does your family make? Uh probably five to six jars like jars in sense big jars yeah and there is a special jar uh, that they use just for pickling just like how we use the mason jars for sure. pickling here yeah and those jars are like you can't touch one jar until the before one is finished <laughs> my mom has very strict rules about it yeah um so yeah and once that is the the actual fruit part of it is taken care of uh, then we she roasts the fenugreek seeds and then make a powder of it that's what gives most of the flavor to the pickle and then salt um chili a lot of chili powder yeah uh, 
that's the reason our pickles, the pickles that they make back home, look very different. They look very red in color because of the chili powder. Mm. And uh, chili powder and the fenugreek powder is kind of the gravy that you that you use to dip in or to mix the rice with. Got it. And then the fermented and pickled mango, bite into it, it's heaven. It's a slice of heaven. So if someone doesn't have uh, an Indian mom or an Indian grandma to mm-hmm. send it to them mm-hmm. uh, and they were looking to, to to get some of this style of pickle, what should they be looking for if they're going into one of, the, say, they go to Kalushchins or one of the Indian spice shops not far mm-hmm. from your restaurant? They could, they could go to any Indian grocery store yeah. and they have uh, some name brand uh, uh, companies that do these pickles. And they, they'll probably find a whole aisle for it. And they have tomato, mango, ginger, uh, a lot of vegetables, carrot, mixed vegetable. You, you can find all kinds of uh, vegetables and pickles associated with it in sure. that aisle. Yeah. yeah. Well, don't sleep on that. Everyone should go buy some. I have some in my refrigerator. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's so delicious. Um, I will, you know, warn you, uh, you know, something I find that in the West we're not used to is having pieces of things, shell or hard things Mm -hmm. or large pieces of spice or bones in food that we're eating. In these pickles, you will find the pieces of the mango, like the hard pit of the mango Mm -hmm. will usually be in there. So don't like take a big spoonful and like chomp down on it. You got to be a little bit careful, but it's super delicious. So I definitely recommend you go check. I think that's the weird part for any Westerner that you have to spit out something thing yeah, after right. eating yeah but it, it's it came very naturally for yeah. us i guess yeah so when i asked before the show about your pet peeve related to food i found it interesting that your response was you're not okay with funky smelling foods and so i you know i lots of westerners that mm-hmm. i know will go into like an indian restaurant and be like oh, i don't know it smells weird mm-hmm. right they're not really sure so for you as someone who grew up around i mean the the flavors are intense that doesn't mean that they smell bad it mm-hmm. just means that they're very intense yeah flavors um you know what are the flavors, you know, is it like the, what, you know, off flavors, rotting flavors, is that the thing that bothers yes, you? Yes, I'm okay with Indian, like the intense sure. smells, intense flavors, I'm okay with that. But you know how seafood smells? Sure. Uh, I can't take those smells. The fu- yeah. That is funky for me. The, yeah. So I, you, you you could have understood by now I'm not a big, big on seafood. Yeah. Uh, because just because it smells so... Yeah intense well, and I think, in a and bad I think, way for yeah, me. Yeah, and, and I think part of that too has to do with the fact that it is, it, it's something that spoils very fast. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and, and spoilage is not it's not a clear line, mm-hmm. right? Like spoilage is a process. Yes. And so you can eat something that's starting to spoil and it's not going to make you sick, but it mm-hmm. might not smell good. Yes. Right. Exactly. And so I, that I think is, I, I completely understand yeah, you. And, and, uh, I think that's also something I learned from my mom, how to, decide if it's okay to eat even if it's like in on that borderline of being (laughs) spoiled uh yeah i I totally understand you but seafood i think that's what gets me the smell i mean i always say the nose knows Mm -hmm. right i mean like you and and it's the way i mean when i teach people you know pickling and fermenting Mm -hmm. and that kind of thing like you know like if you taste something and it's something you're not supposed to eat Mm -hmm. your body's pretty much going to tell you i mean there are certainly poisoned mushrooms and all kinds of other poison berries that taste good and are Mm -hmm. bad for you but in terms of like fermented foods if a pickle doesn't taste good don't eat it yes (laughs) and for me i think even with the good part of smelling right i eat with my eyes nose and the textures first and then the actual taste i think if all these are right the actual taste falls 
should be right. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. We're going to take a short break and hear from our sponsor. Uh, today's sponsor is the Brooklyn Botanic Garden. And when we come back, uh, I want to talk about the actual opening of the restaurant. This episode is brought to you by Brooklyn Botanic Garden, a stunning 52-acre garden in the heart of Brooklyn, featuring spectacular plant displays and inspiring public programs year-round. Harvest Homecoming, an old-school fall foliage festival, comes to Brooklyn Botanic Garden on Sunday, October 20th. Celebrate cider season with New York cider houses and kombucha makers, bringing hard and soft ciders and fermented drinks to try or buy. A pop-up farmer's market will feature heritage apples from local orchards. Groove to the sounds of fresh Americana music and world beats throughout the day. Bring your friends and family and make a day of it with hay rides, lawn games, a children's Halloween costume parade, and more all in the heart of Brooklyn. Learn more about Brooklyn Botanic Garden at bbg.org. I hope you're enjoying this podcast. And you know, Heritage Radio Network has thousands more. Hi, my name is Linda Palaccio, and I'm the host on A Taste of the Past here on HRN. Join us on a weekly journey through culinary history, where we explore the when, where, what, and why of food throughout history. You can find A Taste of the Past wherever you listen to podcasts and on heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome back to Feast Your Ears. If you're uh, just tuning in, my guest today is Shruti Chowdhury. She's the owner of Kaladi Restaurant, which opened about almost two months ago. A little right? over a month, yeah. Yeah. How's it going? It's going good, touch wood, uh, so far, yeah. uh, without alcohol. Yeah. People are just coming in for food, and that's that's a win for us, yeah. Awesome. Especially in the neighborhood we are, East Village, Alphabet City. Yep. It's a lot of partying and clubbing going on, sure. and, and I, I was one of them, too. Sure. The whole reason we opened up in East Village is... I fell in with the na- I fell in love with the neighborhood yep. since I uh, moved to the city, and I go there a lot. And one day, me and my friend, we went to a jazz bar that we usually uh, uh, visit. And coming back from the jazz bar, we saw this place uh, which was up for lease, and we were like, "Oh wow, uh, probably we should reach out and ask." That's where it all started. <laughs> That's great. I mean, I, you know, the thing that I think. Uh, you know, the East Village is such a vibrant neighborhood and it really is a is a, a neighborhood. And mm-hmm. it's one of the few in New York, although on the north northern reaches, like up on 14th Street, they've built these giant buildings. But a lot of the neighborhood has maintained these smaller, older style apartment buildings mm-hmm. where I feel like you can't help but have some kind of a community. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the big buildings, I feel like it's very easy to never see people. Yes. Right. But in, but the, the village still maintains that. And, you know, for a small restaurant, like that's who you need. Right. Mm-hmm. You need the people who live upstairs and the people who live across the street to come to your restaurant a lot, right? Yeah, you're so right, Harry. And I I already have people who are coming back to the restaurant which are from neighborhood. It's like uh, I'm already making connections and I'm already making friends from that's, the neighborhood which awesome. is which is a very important part for Kiladi. yes food should taste good food should be good but community and neighborhood is also something we are really hell bent on to build with yeah. Kiladi. there's some items on the menu i noticed that seem like they cross borders but i'm wondering if they if they are cross borders or it's just the way you've chosen to describe them you have an idli poutine yes that's 
is that an Indian dish or is it really taking idli and then making poutine? It's a it's one of our signature dishes and it it did cross borders. It's east meets east meets west kind of dish. Uh, it is the Canadian poutine that we drew the influence from, and instead of the fries, we did idli, which is South Indian staple breakfast. Uh, it's steamed lentil cakes, uh, which will very well substitute for the fries yeah. and even more healthier than fries sure. because it's made out of lentils. It's not fried. It's steamed. And it, it's it's like a sponge. It, it does have some flavor to it, but it's like a sponge. It just absorbs all the goodness from the meat and the cheese and the curry sauce that we have with the poutine. Yeah. Um, I find it very interesting and kind of, I guess it's sort of like, uh, it's sort of like kismet in a way. Um, but the space that you ended up taking over that you happened mm-hmm. to walk past has been a number of other Indian restaurants in the past. It sure has a story <laughs> and history, a lot of history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You won't believe like probably 60% of the customers who walk in, they'll be like, oh, there was an Indian restaurant here before this. And before <laughs> that, that was also an Indian Yes, and we're trying to break the cycle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of yeah. course. Um, now, did that mean, you know, did you have to do a large amount of renovations or was the kitchen sort of already set up for what you needed to be cooking Indian food? Uh, I should say we did have to do uh, yeah. everything new because yeah. we had to get our own e- equipment. But the kitchen itself, uh, even with the simple things like uh, fire ansel system where we need to repipe the hood and everything, we yep. had to go through everything. Oh, you did. But the space itself... Uh, the dining area and everything. We didn't have to do a whole lot of renovations, but we did some cosmetic changes. Sure, yeah. absolutely. And you guys have a mural on the wall? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I should talk about that because that's the attitude of Kiladi. So the artist who did it, she's based out of Chicago. Her name is Jenny Vyas. And uh, she did not work in the city. She did a couple murals in Chicago. And I've been following her work for a while now. And when I thought of doing Kiladi, I thought I should bring Jenny to the city and I want someone who never did any of their work in the city to mm. do Kiladi. And then I reached out to her. She came up with a sketch and I said what I want. It's a South Indian bride look who is unconventional, who is not traditional, which is why she has a cigarette. She has that attitude in her face. She's like, no, so what kind of attitude? Uh, and once we uh, finalized the sketch, she flew down from Chicago and painted it for a week, and we loved doing it with her and uh, the whole process of it. It was beautiful. And Kiladi also made us to meet new people, uh, realize things that we would have never known in our lives if, if not for Kiladi. Sure. Yeah. Um, now, the the restaurant, you have a relationship with Godavari, yes. right? Which is a chain of South mm-hmm. Indian restaurants who don't have an outpost mm-hmm. in New York City. They used to have one in Long Island uh, City. Got it. But they closed down later. Uh, it's one of their uh, first few franchisees that opened up in New York. But they recently opened one in Jersey City, mm. which is close to Manhattan. Sure. Uh, yes, Godavari is a very typical South Indian restaurant with huge buffets and yeah. like probably... 20 page menu you have like probably 300 items on the menu wow. yeah it, it is a very big operation. like an indian version of what we think of as a classic greek diner yes right? something like that <laughs> yeah uh you could never get to all of the items probably yeah. in one year <laughs> yeah uh so the ceo of godauri kaushik he is one of my closest friends and uh, we always talk food we all uh, like we always try to see where we can even before Kiladi, I had this interest in food and bug in my head that South Indian food never got the 
representation it deserves and i we keep talking a lot about food since him being in food industry and we are yeah. also friends from back home we are uh, from the same city oh, yeah cool. uh so yeah and then uh this february when i went to india i told my parents this is what i'm thinking this is what i'm going to do because for me my parents approval is a uh, i need it uh, just to feel good about what i'm doing so i told them they were questions i answered them my mom not so happy because she doesn't want me to work hard my dad was like okay let's do it let's see what it's what you got to do and uh, that's that's also a big part of my uh, the whole venture i should say if not for my parents i wouldn't do what i'm doing today and i wouldn't mm. be where i'm today yeah so yeah and kaushik and me decided we sat down we made the menu uh, and i i should say Kiladi is progressive indian but we are still true to the flavors and sure. the actual authenticity of dish sometimes in uh, making a dish modernized a way you lose the actual authenticity of the dish and that's what we didn't want to do with kiladi yeah no i mean the menu the menu looks awesome i can't wait to can't wait to get into to try to it out you. um you know some of the things that i really i mean obviously the pickle i'm super excited by mm-hmm. the poutine looks great um but even you know the dosas yes awesome those um, are a big hit and ev- it's like the butter chicken of south indian food right sure. everyone knows the dosa yep yeah. absolutely but i mean but i find that to be such comforting food to eat it's one of my favorite foods on the planet <laughs> and my mom literally has to count how many doses i am eating as a kid and she'll be like you had four of them i think you're good you need to stop now because she always want me to have a, a a space in my stomach to have sure. a fruit at the end of my meal yeah. so she has to stop me eating from doses yeah so uh you guys are going to have a secret menu Yes, uh-huh. yes. We are uh, we already have and some of the Google reviewers they already started posting on the uh, reviews ask ask for the secret menu because uh it, again as I said South Indian food has a lot of uh, scope and a lot of dishes and we couldn't do all of them on the menu and we want to uh, have a secret menu that way we can give t- tidbits of here and there of the dishes that we can't Uh, resist not people having them. Yeah. Yeah, that's where the secret menu idea came from. I mean, I I I think that's awesome because I think I mean the menu obviously has some really amazing stuff on it, mm-hmm. but I think it's also, you know, you're trying to keep the menu small and yes. I'm sure keep it tight, keep your food costs tight and that kind of thing. Yeah. But the sec- the idea of a secret menu, you can always change it, yes, right? And, yes. and, and it's it, way more exciting than having a specials board because mm-hmm. I feel like especially, you know, New Yorkers are very savvy and understand that like, you know, if you see uh i don't know on like the brunch menu if you see like steak and eggs mm-hmm. it might be because there was prime rib left on friday night, <laughs> right like the, you know like those things happen which is fine right it doesn't mean it's it doesn't mean the food isn't delicious uh-huh. but the idea of a secret menu means that there's stuff that like you got to be in the know which yes, of course we yes. love as new yorkers and and it's easy in new york i think as you said because yeah. new yorkers are very used to the food scene and different uh, menus the, the ideas and it's easy to take something like this to the new yorkers because they're very they're very educated uh, yeah. in restaurant uh, industry totally who's the who's the guy in sunglasses on the menu so he is one of the superstars that's that's his you believe me or not he, that's his tagline superstar <laughs> rajnikanth rajnikanth <laughs> is his name actually got it and he he is um, i don't know who to compare to a hollywood actor he's a old guy he's been there for a while Tarantino maybe mm. of uh, the Got South it. India yeah he's very popular and he's very well respected and he's also that 
uh, has that thug life kind of look mm. for his well recent movies. Yeah. So yeah, he's one of them. It's just so people can connect to South Indian uh, culture. Sure, when sure, they sure. See him. Yeah. And is the restaurant named after the film? Uh, no. The same name. I know. I did find that there was a film named Kiladi. Yeah, right? and it, again, the Kiladi. Uh, movie you're talking about the film is a north indian movie it's from bollywood ah got it uh kiladi means player uh and we are a little playful with the food sure uh that's the reason we named it kiladi but and we also used to call our friends uh oh you're being a kiladi ah. which means like you know you're being smart and a smart ass kind of thing yeah. not literally player but smart ass yeah for sure for sure um well Thank you so much for joining me today on Thank Feast you Your for Ears. Me. Um, I encourage everybody to go down to the corner of 11th and B and check out Kaladi uh, and ask for the secret menu yes. when you're there. Uh, I assume the restaurant being very new, they probably are likely to find you at the restaurant all the time, right? Yes, all the time. <laughs> and they can't escape me. <laughs> uh, no, but yeah, I'm, the, I'm there always and I try to give the best experience the customer could get. Uh, with me or without me we run them through the menu help them through any questions that they have with the menu because we know a lot of it is very new and not familiar sure but all delicious yes <laughs> thanks so, so much true. thank you so much guys have a good day thanks everybody for listening to feast your ears today you can find feast your ears as well as lots of other great shows at heritageradionetwork.org on itunes spotify pandora stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts Please take a moment to rate and review the show, uh, and you can reach out to me if you have questions or show ideas, harry at thebrooklynkitchen.com, and you can follow me on Instagram at thefoodballer. Talk to you next week. This program is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.